Hello, I'm Lynn Franks and welcome to Frankly Speaking with Lynn Franks and Friends. And today's episode is a very candid interview with broadcaster and editor-in-chief of The Frank magazine, Melanie Sykes. I thoroughly enjoyed meeting up with Melanie and in fact it's the start of a lot of projects we want to do together and it can be no coincidence really that this is a Frankly Speaking podcast and I am Lynn Franks and she has a magazine called The Frank Magazine. So we want to create a space where not only she and I but also other women can hear their voices and talk their truth. So welcome to the birth of the whole Frankly Frank conversation. Hello and welcome to Frankly Speaking with Lynn Franks and Friends and I'm so excited that I am in person now that the laws have changed and the rules yet again with my friend Melanie Sykes, broadcaster Melanie Sykes and we are here today to talk about women regaining their power of the narrative in many areas and as, as a broadcaster and as a publisher of your own magazine, Frank, which we're going to talk more about as we go forward, what it feels like to be able to say, I am in control of my own story. So welcome, Melanie. Welcome to the city. Oh, oh it's so lovely to be here. What an amazing place you've got. It's so, so lovely. Thanks. And so are you. Well, thank thanks you for so having me. And so are you. And in her beautiful kimono that she bought this yes. morning. I love it. And uh, on, in honour of Melanie, I'm wearing my storyteller somewhere underneath here. Power of Seven t-shirt because Melanie really is a storyteller. But this thing about telling our own stories and having the power of knowing that we can be in charge of our own stories as opposed to being edited out of our own story or edited around is something you've had a lot of experience, I would say extraordinary experience about really. Yeah, well, I mean, I've been in an industry for 25 years um, where everything I've said has been twisted and everything I have done has been twisted. Um, so it's been really difficult and it's actually muted me at times. And as you say, I'm a storyteller, so it's the worst possible thing it's to like do to here. somebody. Yeah, blocked. And why, why do you think that it's happened to you? Do you think it happens to other women, other people? What is it that sort of brings that horrible effect in? I think, I think. It's definitely being a woman in this industry. It's, uh, I would say, we have a completely different experience through the media in this industry than men, for sure. I can only think of one other man, famous man, who gets as much grief as I do about his love life or the way he conducts himself is... um, Oh my God, his name just escaped me. Paul Hollywood. Yeah. He's the only man that I know of. And I see him, him being trashed in the papers. And you just won celebrity. And I didn't drop him in for that reason. No. But yeah, I did win. Yeah, I did win. Gorgeous Frida Kahlo cake, which I saw on TV the other day. The yeah, other I know. That was so much fun. Yeah. I love doing that show. And Paul is fantastic fun and, and obviously very gifted and knows exactly what he's talking about when it comes to baking. But for some reason, they're absolutely obsessed with his love life. Yeah. And he's the only man that I can think of that has that, you know, that that has that kind of attention. Most men, though, don't. And when I first got into the industry, because I was a model before, 
I was being interviewed and I was always really honest about my experience historically and and it all started to get twisted and sensationalized and and bigger than I'd said it and then I started to really curb what I was saying and even that doesn't work. And do you think it's part a of being a woman of course but part of the celebrity culture that has been created and I and I even take a very small amount of responsibility for my PR days not that I would ever take responsibility for setting up the celebrity culture as we know it now yeah. but this whole thing you know you've always gone out with um well I don't know who you've gone out with really but your men have been in the entertainment industry no. as well, some so yeah. inevitably it attracts the tabloids and also you're a very beautiful woman and and that we're going to talk a little bit about the Me Too movement inside the British entertainment industry uh, and your experiences but I think that um do you think that's part of it? This really rather sick attitude we have in this country. Well, my my relationships have nothing to do with my professional life, and my professional life is broadcasting. So I don't understand where the area comes in that because I provide a service for ITV or BBC as a presenter. Because remember, it is a job. Yeah. Well, it certainly is for me because it isn't a means for airtime and to be famous. Because I could not give two shits about that. It literally is a job for me. Nobody's interested in the mechanics of the job that I actually do. Um, it is it is a, a byproduct of actually just being able to tap into my personal life. For me, that's not what I bought into. I bought into something that would help me pay the rent yeah. and to bring up my children. And I have to bring in at this point, when you look at the tragedies of Caroline Flack and others who have suddenly been um, overwhelmed by the feedback they have had yeah. or got in the past, and there's many others we can name as well, from tabloids, from the culture of this celebrity industry that is so prevalent in the UK, um, we can see actually it has very tragic implications. You have to be pretty strong to even be able to handle it. Well, I mean, I've had a few people say to me recently, gosh, you're strong, you've really survived it. But actually, I've been in a lot of pain about it. I just haven't vocalised the pain. I've just dealt with it, spoke to my nearest and dearest about it, tried to protect the kids from it and 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 ploughed through. But it is time for me to bow out of that scenario because the job itself is fine. There's elements of presenting and broadcasting that I love. I've enjoyed radio very much with my friend Alan Carr. It's been really fun. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, I want to go to work and have fun. But unfortunately, there's lots of elements of it that have, have not felt they felt alien to me as a person. And I'm also, you know, I'm not from stage school. I'm actually quite shy. I know people find that really hard to believe, but it's true. I'm not big on public speaking. Um, I'm, you know, I'm an introvert, really. And, and I'm also a bit of a hermit. So, so I mean, I'm digressing slightly, but even the pandemic and, a, and as painful and, and as sad and tragic a lot of those stories have been, there's been elements of, for me, of being a blessing. Yeah. Because I've, I'm now living a life that I've always wanted. And that is to not have to go to business meetings, not have to go and meet strangers, not have to be kissed and hugged by com- men I've never met before because it's socially, that's what you do. And, and now I've got, boundaries with my body yeah and you've been telling these stories of various people some well-known some not uh, and we're not necessarily going to name and shame but we might um, <laughs> I don't think I'm not in the business of shame no, anybody but there have been some very badly behaved men who seem to feel that because you're a beautiful woman 
they can say anything they want. Yeah. And you told me stories about when you've been presenting with co-presenters, they would pass you notes, which were really abusive. Yeah. I mean, and you're supposed to carry on talking to camera. Well, I'm, I'm interested. I, I've tried to get to the bottom of why this happens to me because men talk to me in a real brazen way and they expect me to be able to deal with it. Now, I don't know whether it's because I'm Northern, because I'm down to earth, because um, what ignited my fame, if you like, was a commercial for beer. So that it, and it was in the mid 90s. It's because you're sexy. That's well, 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 thank you. I like to think so. <laughs> You are, but, but even so, that is still no excuse for them. To no, 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 it's not. But I've, I've often... And what is sexy? It means you, you have a certain energy yes. that succeeds. But, you know, that doesn't mean to say that you want these guys to come on and be offensive. Of course you don't. No, absolutely not. I mean, I, I, um, I, want, to, I want respect. Yeah, I deserve you know. respect. I respect everybody else. Yeah. I don't, I don't ask for anything that I don't give myself. Yeah. You know, and um, but I just get a feel that people see me um, in a different way that I can handle it. I'm one of I'm sort of like a geezer bird for one. There's one way of putting it. Yeah. And my strength does not mean I'm masculine. I don't understand why that is part of how people see strong women. I am actually really feminine and really sensitive and really, you know, in tune with my sexuality and, and sex and I'm alive, yeah, you know? Yeah, you're absolutely alive. So, and, and the age you are, which of course you don't look, then what is age? I'm your stupid number, as I say for myself. Yeah. Um, you know, you were coming up to the menopause, you're 50, there's an awful lot of talk right now. So many women in high-profile positions and many, many millions who are not are at this point of 50 and it's like, where is life going? Is it time for a change? Is it time for my for me to follow my sole purpose, really? Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of where you're at as well. Oh, gosh, I turned 50 in August last year and it was, it's been the most amazing change in me, the most, like, like I say, uh, the pandemic and turning 50 and those two things um, have been so massive in a shift in me that I now only want to live authentically. I know potentially I've got less time ahead of me than I've had. So every second does count. I want to be happy in every second going forward. And I'm not crazy. I do understand that you can't have happiness the whole time. But I want to be in control of everything I say, everything I do. And I'm not going to tap dance for corporations anymore. I'm going to make my life's mission to elevate other women, to support other women, give voices for other women, also make a business for myself instead of giving it all to other people who don't appreciate it um, and use me for the, for the greater good of themselves. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm done. Yeah. And I think this role of the wise woman, which you are getting to that point where you are at that point now, when it's about supporting other women as well as supporting yourself, it has to start with self. Yeah. So it has to start with looking after yourself. And that part of that is making sure that you're in charge of your own narrative. Yeah. And from there, supporting the next generations to come and the next. Um, and as a mother, as well as a woman, of course, you're, you're, you've got two sons, yeah. teenage sons rather than... Um, than any daughters but I mean that motherly energy is is something which goes beyond their own children but of course it's very much there um you haven't had an easy situation with the father your children your husbands the two husbands you've had they've not been um they didn't 
They did, well, they didn't work out. I mean, they didn't work out. The, um, but I was married seven years to the father of my children. And I have to say, he is a very good father. And I, in, in terms of picking wisely for that, I've done that. But for me personally, it didn't work. I don't want to go into too much details about him because um, it's no, it's, it's not. not it's He's not the father of your child. But exactly. you had two marriages where they, they weren't. They, they weren't. Um, they weren't happy. Let's they were definitely weren't happy. Um, I, with my first marriage, I was, and that's another thing that I'd really like to say as well is that I, I am self-made, self-taught in everything. Um, self-sufficient financially and otherwise and always have been there hasn't been ever a man who's come into my life who has taken any of those mantles that I might need support with I have done it all on my own inside yeah. marriage and outside me of marriage. too and is that a bad thing when you I don't that? think so yeah. at times I would have liked to have had at least 50 50 because yeah, yeah. I don't I'm not interested in other people's money yeah um it would have been nice to have a 50 50 thing but yeah I mean the second marriage didn't last very long and, and that was very that wasn't that ended extremely badly and it's been documented I won't say well documented but documented in a way that isn't true yeah um I was arrested for apparently beating my second husband up um which you know um you obviously didn't do and of course I didn't the tabloids do. loved um, the tabloids loved they they wrote about it um and it, you know you google it and it's there unfortunately that's that I actually um I was in an abusive relationship I was ending it that evening and it escalated to something where he decided to call the police and get me arrested and I was arrested and taken away from my home my children were home and I and I actually was unlawfully given a caution I asked the police officers what's the quickest way out of here and they said take the caution um, I didn't know what it meant I wanted to get home to my children I took the caution and then the next day realized what that meant. And it was obviously it's a criminal record. It is a admission of guilt. It's an inability to travel to Australia and America. And I had no idea. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I'm, I'm really glad you've done that because there are so many people, so many women specifically out there that have had really very abusive relationships and then they look at somebody like you and they'll think well it's all right for Melanie Sykes she's on tv and she's on radio and she's having this wonderful glamorous life people do not know what goes on behind the scenes they do not know what goes on for anybody and yet at the same time they think they do because it gets talked about in the tabloid press I know you talked to me before about having paparazzi sitting outside your house just waiting for the opportunity to photograph you in any way you, they can well lately as well during some of the lockdowns they're waiting for me to to break the law break the rules yeah um i i'd had recently and, I, and just to say just going back to the police record thing i did actually take uh started the process of taking the police to court and um they dropped the caution because i was illegally right, given it so, yes. so that's that's i don't have a criminal record and i did not beat my um ex-husband up i smile because it sounds stupid when i say it because it's so bloody obvious but um I, I have been painted as some kind of man hater, man beater, and, and I love man eater. Man eater, oh my god! I mean, which one is it, man? Do I hate them or love them? Make their decisions, or do you get on with your life and be the powerful woman of integrity that you are? Yeah, well, I mean, that's what no, they're not interested in the truth. No, the, the media aren't interested in the truth at all, and I'm all about the truth. I live and breathe it. You know what I say, I mean. 
you ask anybody you know i i if i'm i say i'm coming well i'm coming here you i'm did. here you did i don't talk shit and unfortunately especially in the industry that i'm am, i'm in um it's a culture of talking shit i mean it's upheld yeah and i can't do it and, and more and more when I go to work and work on shows, I ask too many questions and people don't have the answers for. And the answers that I'm given don't stick because they don't make sense. Yeah. And I'm, I've outgrown it. And they're make, you're making them uncomfortable because, of course, they realise they're talking nonsense. Yeah. For you, it just doesn't have any value anymore, So, which is very exciting, which brings us to where we are now. Yeah. Such an exciting time in your life. Yeah. So you, your two boys... 16 and 17? 18 and 16. Tino is 16. He's autistic. And he's just in a regular state school that has a provision for autistic children. We don't know what, what he's going to do, where he's going to be, but he's he's good and he's great. And he's, he's the light of my life. They both are, but, you know, it's just there's something about Tino that he's so authentic. There is no bullshit with him. And as the mother of an autistic child, you have got very involved and supported the autistic yeah. society or various associations and networks that are out there to support because there are so many children. With well, autism. the di diagnosis are becoming uh, really common now, which yeah. is a really good thing. You yeah. know, it, it is. It, you know, it's everywhere. Yeah. There's, there's, I don't know what the figures are for mm. it, one in whatever gets diagnosed. I don't know. But but um, the treatment that I did with Tino was a, it was a therapeutic treatment and it was very expensive. And there's one a lady in, she's called Dr. Stella Aquaroni, and I support her and her clinic because the it is an expensive process. And I help her with a charity that helps fund um, people going into that. Who don't have the funds. Yeah. And also I've always will talk to anybody who wants to talk about autism. I mean, I'm always on the phone. Yeah, which to is anybody. so important. So another thing that is important. Yes, women do get abused in marriage. Yes, they can get blamed unfairly. Yes, celebrities, women celebrities do get misrepresented both by their industry and by the media. And yes, you can still look young and beautiful, but you can have teenage children who are their own selves and also need your time yeah. and input. And I, your older son's at university. He's now. at university and he's he's doing brilliantly and he loves it and he's happy and he, I have the best conversations with him. He's one, uh, he's one of the most interesting people I know. How brilliant. It, it's just amazing. So your healing with men, if you like, having had some bad experiences, is partly to do with your relationships with your, your son. Yeah, well, you? well, that's the thing, is that you can't be a man-hater when you have beautiful sons. No, you know, not. it's just not possible. And also, I'm not a man-hater, but... Because um, there's some lovely men in your life. Yeah, I, I know some great men. Yeah. I really, really do. In fact, one of my closest friends I, I go to for advice, and this, is it, and this is an interesting... Going back to... So I have a magazine called Frank Magazine, and it's been running for two years, and when I set it up, it was, it's an online magazine. Um, I, I was saying I'm turning 50 and I've been asked by lots of um, uh, publications in Britain if I do an interview about turning 50. And he said, why don't you do it for your own magazine? Yeah. And I thought, really? I said, that's a bit, um, what did I say? I said, it's a bit egotistical to put myself on the cover of my magazine. He just went, no, it's not. It, it makes sense. Yeah, of course it does. And, and so I did. And I did my own interview. I asked myself the questions that I wanted to respond to. I it, Every word, it's not been skewed or twisted. Blah, 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 blah. It just is what it is. I organised the photo shoot. We, we knew how we wanted it to look and I was on the cover. And I, I just thought it was brilliant. That is the first time I owned even... When, so that's my, quite recent. Yeah, it was in August last year. So cut to... 
loads of things were lifted from it and twisted. Oh. And um, and it was again on on in the lines of me hating men. Um, I dared to say anything, something about Keith Lemon. Um, I appeared on through the keyhole. I don't know if you know that show. You uh, try not to watch it. <laughs> I'd, I'd been, my agent at the time said, do this show. It's Saturday night prime time. You haven't done anything for a while. It'd be really good for you to be seen on there. And I'd been on holiday and I was happy and I was relaxed. And I'd, I went into the studio and I didn't think Keith was going to be like he was on the other show uh, that he does, where it's all sex and blowjobs and talking about people's arseholes and all that sort of stuff. And I sat there and for the three hour record, he did all of that stuff to me verbally to entertain the live audience because it was never going to make the edit of the actual show because Through through the Keyhole was a family Saturday night show. So what he did do is use me to entertain the audience. The few people that are sitting there in the audience. Yeah. Just because that need to be constantly... Uh, applauded and laughed at. And... Yeah. So the first thing he's and I, Jonathan Ross to my right, and and Jordan Banjo to my left, and he's nice, isn't he? Tell me the banjo. Yeah, nice. really. Because I love them. Lo- really <laughs> lovely, really lovely. And the first thing that Keith said to me in character, um, I bet your asshole smells of flowers. And I, I mean, it makes me want to cry right now because I was just so caught in the headlights and wasn't expecting that it. That is horrible. And, and it just got went from bad to worse. That's horrible. It went from bad to worse, and I kept thinking, what am I going to do? What am I doing? I can't get up and storm out because it will be all over the newspapers that I've walked out, and it will, of course, be my fault. Everybody in the audience has a mobile phone so they could see. And I, for three hours, I struggled through oh. that. Then um, I got home that night. I cried all night. I rang my agent in the morning and told them about my experience. And I said, I don't really know what I'm going to do about it. And they, they said, you want us to ring the production? I said, you know what? I'll do it. So I rang the head of the, the production. I don't know. It was this lady. I can't remember her name. And I just said, when you make the edit, can you make sure that I don't look upset, um, angry, um, out of my depth, any number of expressions that I will have shown because I have no poker face, lady. <laughs> Um, I said, because it's detrimental to me um, and, and she, she, they agreed to for me to be part of the edit and that, that, and that I had to prove the edit. Um, and I said, and it was a terrible experience. And she went, you're the first person that ever, has ever, ever complained about him. And I said, I, I don't care. And this was before Me Too, by the way. So it wasn't like I felt stronger because of Me Too. It was probably about three weeks before the Me Too movement kick-started. I said... You and I know that there's loads of women who don't say anything. It doesn't mean it's not happening. They're just too intimidated and too scared and too worried about their careers, particularly at that point. Exactly. And and I said, so we can, all of these things can hit the edit, the cutting room floor, but my my experience still lives and breathes. It still lives and breathes, as I'm telling you about it now. absolutely horrible. And I suggested that in my magazine, without telling that story, that I don't understand why somebody like Keith Lemon gets the airtime that gives voice to men in the street, men in the office, men in men, men in your home to talk to women like shit. And think it's okay because they watch Keith Lemon and on TV. And think funny. Yeah. So not funny. And, and I got absolutely annihilated oh. by trolls, women too. Jeez. You're a bitter old twisted past it bitch and I just thought oh my god 
Why am I being abused? Unbelievable. And have you found that there has been a change since the Me Too movement has come out? Admittedly, that's the movie industry more than the TV industry, but have things become safer for women to say, no, this I, is abusive, I'm not taking it? I think it's still difficult for women to say it because when you say it, you lose your job. If you're working with men and um, it's not going very well and you're not particularly happy about it, you can't complain to somebody in the channel because it will get out in the media and the programme will be pulled and therefore you cannot feed your children. It's a very simple equation. It's absolutely dreadful. And so right now you're saying you're having a halt on that broadcast side of your life because it's not feeding you from a values perspective and uh, you would rather say, that's it for now, I am going to run my own business, I am going to have my own voice with The Frank magazine, which I'm so excited about. Um, yeah, that's, so that's what's tell, happening. Tell me more about the magazine, How? because it, it's online. Yeah. Uh, as you said, it's been out for two years, it's about to change. So what sort of things do you write? Are you Because you do most of the writing and the photo shoots. Yeah, I mean, I don't write the articles. I, 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 I curate other writers to do the articles, but content creation is all me. Um, the interviews are all me. I mean, it's a full-on, full-on thing, but it's been two years. It's a bi-monthly. I set it up for women um, over 40. All the models that we featured were over 40. There was definitely a gap in the market yeah. at that time. Yeah. But still, it still is. Really. It, there still is. There still is, for sure, but it was definitely yeah. the start of it, and things have changed. I mean, I spoke to some of the models recently who, who were in the magazine, and their careers have definitely gotten better recently yeah. as well, which yeah. is just great yeah. to hear. Yeah. Um, but um, that I, I started it when I was still very much doing television and radio, and it, it's still a quality product. I was still able to give as much as I possibly could to it. But I've just done a big, uh, I've just done three shows for the BBC, and I'm done now. And now I want to do, just put all my energy into the magazine. So we're relaunching in July. It is now going to be for women of all ages because I realised after the Sarah Everard moment, and it was a big moment, big do you moment. agree yes. that there was a shift? It was a big shift. I think for women to, to acknowledge that they want to feel safe walking home at nine o'clock at night, I mean, suddenly an awareness came into um, this country anyway, into women and men's lives and the media, that we have to have a change now. Yeah. But even then, I mean, that whole situation where women wanted to take, the, to go to protest and be on, we want a movement called, I've written about it and I've talked about it, Regain the Streets movement. Oh, yes. And yeah. they weren't allowed and the police stopped them going and protesting together. It wasn't even a protest, actually. It was just holding candles. It was holding candles in her memory. You know, we still had that. But yes, sorry, carry on. No, no, no. But it, but it was. It has been. There is a moment of change. But what been. ignited, what I saw, it, it definitely ignited in my life is a conversation. The conversation between women that all of the women I know started to say, "Tell me stories about what had happened to them when they were younger." Right. Moments that happened to them that they've never spoken of, that were were not right, um, and. It was women of all ages. It's happened to women of all ages. And through your life, there's have been moments that have just not been right, um, whether it's what, been flashed what, out one or... In th- one in three women, according to UN figures around the world, and in some countries there's a lot more than that, have been sexually abused. One in three, which is extraordinary. And that's, that's just not normal offensive talk or, as you say, flashing or whatever it may be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the people have had something. And I suddenly thought... I actually just want to support 
women as a whole as yeah. opposed to just like yeah. an age group yeah because every woman's voice for me is a valuable one yeah and therefore I want that to be and what, what are we teaching young girls and young boys you know what are we saying if we just allow it to be under the surface and not talk about it and not say enough is enough yeah what does that mean to the 14 year old girls and the 14 year old boys that they're coming up and they see porn as the norm and they're online all the time and and they and then the boys expect the girls to behave a certain way which is a huge issue right now and well, has been for the last few years well, it, we have I, to say, no it is not okay for the boys to expect you to behave a certain way and otherwise you're going to be left out from your peer group if they know oh yeah there's a lot of pressure on teenage girls a friend of mine has a teenage girl and the, and the culture that they're living in it's um you know it's it's experimenting but kind of like a pressured experimenting um and even with drugs and all sorts of things it it's and and that Sarah Everard moment also exposed a lot of the culture at schools and how boys talk to girls. I mean, it happened in 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 Hampstead. There's it's quite a um, oh yeah, there are a number of schools. There's, or, there's public schools, yeah, expensive schools where supposedly the the creme de la creme of, of wealthy children get sent and were behaving really really badly. The boys were behaving really exactly, badly. and that's all been exposed. And unfortunately, that the, there was naming, which yeah. I don't agree with naming people, especially mm. young people, yeah. because they're going through their own yeah. stuff. They're not fully formed yet, so. They're not fully informed. But they will never learn if, if the, their parents and people in the media don't behave a certain way and don't speak a certain way and say, no, it's it's not all right. I mean, we're seeing it with the Black Lives Matter movement, thank goodness, and we're seeing it with the Me Too movement and we're seeing Regain the Streets movement. It has to be the majority of people standing up saying, no, this is not okay. This cannot carry yeah. on like this. Yeah. Everybody's equal. Everybody should be treated with respect, no matter their culture, nationality, colour, gender, whatever it may be. Yeah. And and that and it is time now. It is time. Absolutely. I mean, there's the there's the privileged and maybe their their existence is different and maybe it's warped and I don't know what goes on with these people, but I feel like my background is I'm mixed race, I'm from a working class background. I don't know, those even just those two things make me so unjudgmental about everybody yeah. and everything yeah. so I've never seen colour no. I don't even care for class I don't I don't believe in hierarchies no. um you know even in sorry I'm digressing no but it's absolutely right I think it's right I think it's the future the future we're coming out of this pandemic we're creating or we can if we want create a new future for the children for the generations to come I've say that many many times and I believe it's gen seven generations to come and it's got to be a future where there is enough abundance whether that be and it's safe whether that be food a roof over the head the right kind of education the right kind of culture for everybody so that kids are not being pressured to go into some kind of drug county line situation which I was just told this week is very prevalent in in places in Somerset and I was like whoa no 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 shouldn't be prevalent any place not in Somerset not London nowhere nowhere should a child be pressured into feeling that they have to become a drug dealer to other children nowhere should a girl or a boy be pressured into behaving in a certain way sexually and it is up to our generation, and I'm obviously a lot older than you, but our generation, and I do believe it's going to be women taking leadership in communities and saying, no, this is not all right, and we are, we have to change. But isn't it interesting that it's, it's going to take women to do it? Why, why does it take women to do it? But if you looked at the last year, all the female leaders have been the most effective. Yeah. Well, the Dalai Lama said a few years, 
quite a few years, well, sometime in the last decade, the Dalai Lama made a statement saying it's going to be women of the West who are going to create this new world, who are going to save the future, save the children. And he's not the only wise man or wise woman of a certain age who looks at the future and says it's got to be women's leadership. Many, many spiritual organisations have been saying for, for a long time it will be women that will be coming forward. We are now in the time of the sacred feminine, where women can take leadership roles alongside men and really take us forward to where we've got to be, as opposed to going into the toxic, dark, old system, which we have right now, where it's all about money and it's all about greed. And women are saying it has got to be different. And the grandmother, I mean, I'm a grandmother of seven. You are not at that age yet. But I mean, you know, you look at little ones growing up and saying, it's got to be a different world for them. There's got to be a different future. Yeah. So, But even the younger people now, I mean, I, I've been talking to a friend of mine, um, actually he's my ex-agent, and we were talking about green issues the other day. Oh, yes. And he said his younger, fa- his his teenage kids were going, Dad, you, we really need to do more. Uh, uh, we need to look at what we're buying. He's not on it, but the kids are on it. Well, let's talk about sustainability. Yes. Because this is a... Uh, an area of, of conscious behaviour that you grew up in because your dad was an activist, a green activist. He was. He he stood for the Green Party in the local elections in the 70s. I guess I was probably seven or eight, and I think he did it a couple of times. I mean, and, and um, also liberal. I mean, he's, he's a lefty, and that's great. And um, I... I used to go canvassing with him and we'd have these recycled leaflets, you know, and if they got a little bit wet, they'd sort of dissolve. You know, it was like when recycling wasn't really there yet. And um, obviously I never, I I didn't talk to people about what the movement was, but even at the local carnival, everybody had like candy floss stalls. My dad would literally have like a wallpaper table with all these green, you know, green leaflets. So my dad's been going on about it for years and years and years and, and quite rightly so. And, I'd sort of been aware of it, not really on it. And then I just recently did a show for the BBC, which is called Shot Well for the Planet. And it's helping people reduce their carbon footprint and how they can do it. And me and a few other presenters go into their homes, look at the areas in which that they, they can change their lifestyles. And obviously being involved in a programme like that, I see it all and I'm learning about it. And now I don't want to unsee it or I can't ignore it now. So I have literally changed and started this green trajectory in my personal life, whether it be what toothbrush I use, what toilet paper I'm using, what detergents I'm using, and it's really bloody exciting. And and then putting that through the magazine. And putting well. through that back through the magazine. So there yeah. will be nothing in, in that magazine that isn't sustainable or or a, a charity or cruelty free or any number of Which, and apart from anything else, it's not printed, so it's not actually using unnecessary paper. Yeah. It's online. Yeah. And so people can find the magazine they get by going to www.thefrankmagazine.com. Yeah, yeah. And you're on Instagram. Yeah. And at um, the moment it is a bi-monthly magazine, but as of July it will be a website with which will have rolling content. Um, so it will be a big monster, and it's not a monster because that makes it sound bad, but it's just like my new life yeah. that I will feed and, and sit by and, and work on and just promote women, educate women, and look after the environment at the same time. Brilliant. Well, I can't wait to be reading it. And I'm so thrilled you're here. This is just the beginning, let me say, we think, of uh, the Mel and Lynn show. <laughs> not quite sure what we're going to be doing yet, but both being very frank women who believe in creating a new future, we're going to be back. So, Melanie, I am so grateful for you visiting oh, and gosh. coming here and Pleasure. being on this podcast. Pleasure. And um, I know that the people that will be looking at it will be wanting more and more and more. So 
watch this space and thank you very much everybody thank you thank you I hope you enjoy listening to Melanie's stories of her experiences as a beautiful and powerful woman in the broadcast industry as much as I did. Clearly, whether it's Melanie in the job that she does or any of us in the work we do and the life we lead, we all need to have our boundaries and we all need to have self-respect as well as respect from others. The seed exercise that I would like to introduce today on this podcast is all about boundaries and self-respect. What I'd like you to do is take a little quiet time in your quiet space and think about a person or a situation that you felt was encroaching on your boundaries and what you can do to change it. How can you create a new scenario which reflects not only the respect you expect from others, but the self-respect you give to yourself? Write it all down And within the next 24 hours, put it into action. You're going to feel great. Thank you so much for joining me. And I hope I'll see you back here on Frankly Speaking with Lynn Franks and Friends very soon. Bye.